From CGSR FM 88.5, my name is Roshni Nair. I'm joined in the CGSR studios by writer and graphic designer Chip Kidd. Even if you've never heard his name before, chances are you've read one of his books. Dubbed by many as the closest thing to a rock star in the graphic design world, Chip Kidd has designed more than 1,500 book covers for authors like David Sedaris, Oliver Sacks, Cormac McCarthy, James Elroy, Larry McMurty, and is perhaps most famous for creating the iconic T-Rex skeleton from Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. By day, Kidd is an associate art director at NOMF, an imprint of Random House. By night, he is a talented writer of graphic novels. His first novel, The Cheese Monkeys, is a satire about his experiences as a graphic design student at Penn State. Kidd's most recent novel is entitled Batman, Death by Design. Chip Kidd, thanks for coming down to the CGSR studios today. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, graphic novels have kind of undergone a sort of renaissance in the last 10 years. Uh, yes. Uh, well, it's what? Oh, God. Um, actually, 15. 15. Um, to be more accurate about it, uh, we published um, a book called um, Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Kid on Earth by an artist named Chris Ware <laughs> in 2000. And um, we actually published way back in the late 80s a book called Mouse, M-A-U-S, by Art Spiegelman. Um uh, that was back when I was um, very young, and I was just working there as a designer. I, I didn't have anything to do with that in terms of designer editorial. But that that was the 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 book, Mouse by Art Spiegelman, um, really was the book that kind of, I think, woke people up to the possibilities of the graphic novel medium and the kind of stories you could tell and the way you could tell them. Um, which, which was very different. Uh, that would have been, you know, like I said, the late 80s. And then then you had you also it, that got lumped in with um, The Watchmen by Alan Moore and The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, even though I mean, those are graphic novels and I'm a big fan of them. They're they're very different kinds of books than 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 Mouse, which is basically a, a Holocaust memoir. I think um, well, what's interesting about that and maybe about this time period in general, this contemporary time period, is the intertextuality of these works. Like, yeah. do you think the Internet and film kind of play into that kind of popularity of graphic novels today or how they feed into each other almost? Uh, I think it's I think it's possible, although I um, a lot of media observers critics what have you um, do they talk about graphic novels a lot as a quote cinematic medium um, I actually along with a lot of the artists I publish sort of take issue with that um, mainly you know I think it that goes as far as um, they're cinematic to the point of say using a storyboard to make a film um, the, where the huge difference comes in is that film, um, you, you perceive film basically in a passive way. 
and I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm not saying that as a criticism at all. But you know, you, you know, you let's say you sit in the theater and the movie starts and. And that's it. And you sit and perceive it. And, you know, you can walk out on it if you want. Um, and this is not going into the whole, um, you know, watching it on DVD or what have you. But, um, the you know, the filmmaker, really, the director is really uh, in charge of your experience that you were going to have with the film. Um, the, the, the graphic novelist or cartoonist um, is only coming sort of halfway and and that again that's not a criticism at all the 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 audience when you read a graphic novel there are certain things that you have control over you have control over the pacing do you want to linger over a page and reread it a couple of times before you turn it that's up to you um and then there is the ever um sort of very important uh you know, graphic novel, cartoon, comics phenomenon of panels and much more importantly, the space between them. So the cartoonist can have something going on in one panel and then have something going on completely different in the in the next. And you, um, as the reader or person experiencing this, you literally fill in that blank. And, and, you know, clever and smart cartoonists can do this in, in a very interesting, unexpected way. So that, that to me is, you know, an, an extremely summed up glib sort of explanation of the difference between a graphic novel and a film. I think, uh, you know, the, the way they're related most in, say, the last 10 years is be, because there have been so many films that are based on graphic novels um, mm -hmm. across all different kinds of genres. All right, so let's get to your nine to five random house job. Okay. The job of designing book covers. Yes. So I'm sure every interviewer has asked you, oh, but never judge a book by its cover. Right, right. And that your entire job is against that adage, I suppose. We must judge books by their covers. Um, uh, or at least Honestly, a little bit. I I think the um, probably the key word there is judge. I uh -huh. think what what we're trying to do, we you know, the collective we, both book cover designers and publishers, is we are trying to get more people to read. So you know that sounds very noble and very self righteous, but really. That is our that is our goal, and yes, we are a business, and we would like to be able to make money doing this. But it really is about getting people to read our books and hopefully buy them. And so, the really what the cover then is supposed to do is to get your attention, get your interest, um, and hopefully get you to investigate what the book is actually about. And uh, and then if you like it, you will buy it. And so there's all different kinds of factors in the publishing uh, industry or business to help make this happen. The cover is only one of them. And I, I'm biased. I mean, I think the cover is an extremely important uh, part of this. But um, word of mouth is, 
you know, an enormous factor. Uh, reviews are an enormous factor. Uh, and, you know, in, in this age of, you know, Amazon feedback and whatever, more readers than ever can make public what they think of a book. And that can be an enormously good thing. And that can be an enormously not good thing um, for us as a publisher. But it it is the reality. And um, so, you know, judging a book by co- its cover, no. Getting your interest in a book by its cover, uh, yes. That's more, I think, what the goal is. Okay. Um, I guess the other idea that comes out of that is that the cover is kind of the public face face of the book yes so when you're reading it on the subway or the lrt in edmonton right uh that's what people see and i guess it was harry potter that had the two different like the kid cover and then the adult version of the cover oh that's interesting yeah so is that was that just here in canada i think it was uh like a uk thing too Okay, because I, remember... I only know the the U... only the U... really know the U.S. one. So. Okay, well, I mean that's just interesting because they changed words in the title and stuff like that too hmm. for the U.S. audience. Um, but yeah, I guess how important, um, or even I guess similarly, the rise of Kindle and how mm-hmm. books that people wouldn't be comfortable being seen in public right. are now more popular or shooting up the bestseller list. I believe even Mein Kampf is up there oh, now. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, I heard about that. And then <laughs> Amazon apologized about it. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, we, we published a, a, a little series of books uh, a little over a year ago mm-hmm. called Fifty Shades of Grey. And um, that, that became sort of the... Um, the poster child, if you will, of the quintessential book that men or women or whoever wanted to read privately on their electronic devices so that people didn't know they were reading them because they they didn't want people to think that they were reading, quote unquote, pornography. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's but still, you know, when, even when I say. Fifty Shades of Grey, you think of the cover instantly. Um, and that's that's what the cover is for, and that's what a good cover is for. And uh, in, in the TED Talk, I finished up by addressing all of this about ebooks and and uh, what it means for design and, and what have you. And my last example was a novel uh, that I designed for um, a Japanese writer named Haruki Murakami. And it's called 1Q84, and the the cover here in Canada was this. They used they used my cover here in Canada, which for which I was very um, pleased and excited. Uh, but it very much, as an object, it makes more sense when you see the actual physical book because the the jacket is a semi-transparent sheet of vellum with certain kinds of printing on it so that when you see through it to the binding of the book, it makes a singular image. And if you look at the cover on an iPad or Amazon or whatever, you, you'll see it, you'll see it represented and it, and it looks fine, but it's not, it, it, you don't get the same kind of experience that you do from the actual physical book. 
Yeah, and I think there's like a tactility when you're reading. Yeah. Yes. With the pa- even like the kind of paper and the, you know, the shape of the text, even like the feel of the paper. So, do you also di- like do you come up with those elements or Uh it all depends on the project. Mm-hmm. For for 1Q84, I oversaw the design of the entire thing. Um and I I love doing that. It's just that the way um, most, frankly, big commercial publishing houses are set up is they'll have a staff that does the jackets and they'll have a staff that handles the interiors um, for various reasons. Um, uh, They are often seen as two different kinds of skill sets, which I take issue with a little bit. But... um, but the, the point is usually the jacket designers are just doing the jacket. Now, in the case of Murakami, I've been able to, on several occasions, be able to design, to, to do an integrated design throughout the entire thing, which I think is the, the, the ideal. But then um, what, I, what is necessary in those cases is I have to have an assistant, which I normally don't have. I normally do everything myself. But there's so many little details, even in just if, if it's a prose novel. But there's so many design elements in uh, something like that that need to be paid attention to. And I, and I have to say, you know, uh, on, on a Kindle, they sort of don't pay attention. Um, and uh, you see especially with poetry, which is a whole other issue. But um, I've seen poetry books on the Kindle where they've rebroken the poem, when they've rebroken the lines. And you just think, wow, that's a, that's a real cautionary tale um, that, you know, if we're not dil- diligent about that, uh, you can completely change the perception of a work of art. And it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Do you think Kindles are like the equivalent of fast food in a way? Like, <laughs> um, I don't think the Kindle itself is is an equivalent of fast f- food. It's an interesting analogy. I think the problem with it that I have is that it is so limited in its design, in the typefaces, in the type size, um, and I I know it's gotten better. Um, but it's just not the way I want to perceive a text. And maybe it's just because I'm old-fashioned. But I, I don't think they take the kind of design care with it that, say, an iPad does. And, and getting this back to the graphic novelists that we publish, um, none of them have wanted their works in a digital form. And this fall, the first exception to that is going to be a guy named Richard McGuire, who's um, creating a book called Here, which is very hard to explain. But it's 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 brilliant, and it's and it's going to be it's going to be a physical book. But he's also rethought it and engineered it to also be an app. Um, and the the nature of of it as a work is that. It's about one specific place. It's a corner of a room in a house in New Jersey. And when you open the book up, the, the gutter of the book becomes the corner of the room. It's, it's very, it's almost, it, 
it's not all visual, but um, and but what he does, there's some text, but what he does is he cuts away panels within the picture plane that you're seeing, and then gives a different date. So, in other words, 1959. Here's a window to what was going on in this space in 1959. Uh, you know, 1901. Here's a window into what was going on in this space in 1901. And as you page through it, you go all throughout history into the future and back. And, and it's it, the way it plays with time and the concept of being in a single place and all these different things that happened throughout the dawn of time up through the future uh, is extraordinary. And it lends itself to the idea of a screen and being able to slide it this way or slide it that way or touch that panel and, and have it take you through into another year or another era. Um, but that was all part of his plan. Um, and we are su totally supporting that um, in, in every way we can. Uh, but th that's what he wanted to do. And in the past, when we've um, introduced the idea of just basically generally adapting um, a graphic novel to the screen just in a very conventional way, just scanning in page after page, um, none of them uh, want to do it because of the tactile experience. And, you know, even if you want to get uh, sentimental about it, the smell of the ink um and and there's a real craft to to bookmaking that um that not that there isn't a craft to making an app but it's just a different kind of aesthetic experience mm -hmm. um so this the the book here is an upcoming book yes and so uh your process when does that begin like when do you start designing for a book uh cover well the process starts by reading the manuscript in raw form. Okay. Uh, whether it's a Word document or, and I, you know, I probably will make your listeners bristle by saying that, you know, I get the Word document and I print it out. And I, I read the book in manuscript on paper. Um, in fact, I brought three manuscripts with me on this trip because I'm here for a week and I've got work to do. And also, um, we all in publishing basically have to read on our own time. Um, it's rare that you can sit at your desk and, and read the manuscript. You're really expected to do that on your own. Um, so I read the manuscript and then, um, then there's all different kinds of, because I work on so many different kinds of books, uh, there's all different kinds of ways to um, pursue the process, and that um, that's a big part of what I'm going to be talking about on uh, tomorrow night. Um, and there's also what I also try to impress upon students is um, in the real world, uh, rejection is a big part of what you're going to have to deal with. Um, in terms of coming up with a design and not getting it approved and having to to come up with a, another solution to 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 a problem and it, you know it happens all the time and it's actually a it's a great skill to uh, develop um, 
because there are there's more than one ways there's more than one way to solve a problem and uh, it doesn't hurt to figure out how to solve a certain problem any number of different ways as long as they're effective um, you mentioned rejection being yeah. kind of a big part of your work mm -hmm. or everyday work. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get feedback from readers about the cover, and does it trickle down to you in any way? Or, uh, well, the short answer is yes, but those those are actually two different things. By the time the book comes out and mm -hmm. you have readers. Uh, the design of the cover isn't my problem anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and again, like I was saying, like, it's the age of snark, you know, with with Amazon or whatever. I have to say, like, on my Facebook page, I've been pretty lucky. I usually just, people write to me there if they like something, um, which which is really actually pretty nice because I do find... Um, often people will comment on something or chime in or whatever if, frankly, they want to be mean, um, or if they or if they don't like something and they want to complain. Uh, and I, you just have to kind of stay stay away from that. Um, I wrote a novel. Well, I wrote two novels, but I, you know, to, to and I've authored a, a bunch of books both on my own design work and um stuff for dc comics with superman and batman and what have you and it it, it is a pretty slippery slope to start reading all of the reader comments because um inevitably they are not all positive and uh and you can you you know i mean i think i have a pretty thick skin but at the same time you know you uh you you, you focus on somebody who's complaining or not happy or whatever you focus on the bad stuff unfortunately um so uh but in terms of of, of rejection of some professionally of something that i'm working on that can be from the author it can be from the marketing department it can be from a, a rep for the chains for the book chains um and our editor-in-chief is very good about you know very carefully weighing these kinds of um, comments and, and needs and what have you. So sometimes he'll say, okay, everybody, thanks for sharing. We're going with our gut with what we think is right. Or sometimes it's like, okay, thank you for, we will take this into consideration and then can we change this, this, or this, or this, or start over. Um and you know it's just it's part of the job and and for most graphic designers i know i mean it's one thing to design something for yourself uh which is fine um but the nature of of graphic design is that it's it's a a service that you are providing probably for a client so um and if that client is paying you they're going to want to have a say in it that was my conversation with acclaimed graphic designer illustrator and writer Chip Kidd. Kidd will be speaking at Grant McEwen University's John L. Har Theater this coming Wednesday, January 22, 2014. The event starts at 5 p.m., is free, and all are welcome. For more information, visit mcewen.ca.